Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are starting a brand new series at All Nations Aurora. A brand new series that we are calling In the Flow. In the Flow. And we are going to be taking a deep dive on the topic of worship. We're going to talk about what worship is. We're going to talk about what worship is not. And we're going to become more acquainted with worship because it's important. I believe that our understanding and our execution of worship helps us trying to live a life that's pleasing to him. Some of us are, are trying through human efforts to live a life that's pleasing to him when he's already given us a set of instructions on how to live a life that's pleasing to him. And one of the most essential ways that we live a life that's pleasing to him is that we worship him. We worship him. And depending on, you know, how you've grown up, or in church, out of church, type of church, you may have a million definition, definitions or ideas about what worship is. But we're actually going to look at the Bible and we're going to find some instructions on how to get in the flow. Because when you're in the flow, man, everything becomes easier. Everything becomes clearer. You have less questions in your mind. You're, you spend less time questioning the things that's going on because you're too busy flowing with God. You're too busy following his lead to be worried about what's going on on the left or the right. Because when you're in the flow, none of that matters. Because you know that you're in lockstep with God. And so today we're going to start with a message that is titled The Bottom Line. The Bottom Line. My son is a genius. I know everybody thinks their kid is a genius. But my son's a genius, right? His whole life, this boy has gotten one B. Everything else has been A's. And that one B was an 89, Fred. And he was mad. He felt gypped. He was like, my streak is over, Dad. I've had straight A's my whole life. But my son, he, he's super smart. He reads a lot. He thinks a lot. And he talks a lot. There's nothing wrong with that. I embrace it. But sometimes, I be in the middle of stuff. And he wants to tell me something. And so he'll come up and be like, Dad, two things. Wait, no, three things. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm not a good multitasker. So that means I have to stop what I'm doing in order to hear what he's saying. Because if I don't, I will totally miss anything he's saying. So I've learned to stop what I'm doing and listen. So he'll get to talking. And one thing about him, because he reads so much, he thinks so much, his stories and his messages have a lot of details. And he wants to give me all of the details before he gets to the point. And depending on what's going on, I might say, hey, bud, what's the point? Give, give me the bottom line, and then we can come back to the details. 
And so that's what we're going to do here because worship, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of forms and there's a lot of fashions of it. But we're going to start with the bottom line up front. Because if you understand the bottom line of worship, then you're able to grasp, hold on to, and live a worship lifestyle. Here's the bottom line. We all worship something. We all worship something. You might worship your occupation. You might find that who you are in the workplace really, really matters to you. You love the fact that you're the supervisor. You love the fact that you have the advanced college degrees. You love the fact that you have all the certifications and you find that you worship them because it's always on your mind. And if you don't have those things and you're in pursuit of those things, sometimes the very pursuit of things can be what we worship. Maybe you worship money. Maybe you grew up with nothing and you got so tired of not having nothing that your life mission became never to get in that place again. I'll never be broke like that. And then you dive headfirst into pursuing an understanding of money and you pursue the accumulation of wealth and you pursue making sure that you have bank accounts that's overflowing because you never want to experience swiping that card and having the cashier look up and say, ma'am, sir, um, you've been declined. Maybe you worship your kids. Ah, when it gets that quiet, I know I'm right where I need to be. Maybe you worship your kids because you, you want to make sure that they don't go through what you went through. That everything that you did not get, oh, you're going to make sure that they have twice as much as you did. And every little accomplishment that they accomplish feels like a trophy in your heart. Look at my boy. Look at my little girl. Yeah, they doing their thing. And hear me, there's nothing wrong with any of those things unless, unless they're in God's position. Unless your worship of them supersedes your worship of him. Here's what worship is. It's our response to what we value the most. What we value, we respond to. We make it known. We ain't shy about it. Here's a hard truth. Don't exit today without remembering and acknowledging this fact. We were all created to worship. We can't not worship. It's a part of how he made us, which is why we all worship something. We're born worshipers. The question is not, are you a worshiper? The question is, what do you worship? What has your affection? Worship is not a song. Worship is not a genre of music. It's a heart posture. Hell. 
Because we have an awesome worship team, but worship isn't singing because you can sing and not be worshiping. You can sing Christian songs. You can sing worship songs and your heart be nowhere near the Father because you're so worried about hitting the right note. You're so worried about the performance thereof that is just singing. It's not worship. Worship is your response to what you value the most. Listen, I'll go further. Worship is not exalting God. He's already got angels around his throne doing that. Holy, holy, holy. All day and all night. Before we get up there, they've been there. They've been exalting him. The difference is what worship actually is, it's love. Worship is love. That's why it's our response to what we value the most. It's not just love, but it's love that's expressed. When we truly value something, we express how much we value it. You ever ate a good piece of chicken? You know I'm gonna bring a chicken reference on a regular basis, because I love chicken. But you ever ate one bite of something, you had to sit back in the chair like, man. And if you with somebody, what you say? You should try this. You want a piece? This is good. You ain't never ate nothing good and was quiet about it. You was excited. I mean, dopamine receptors just going crazy because of how good it tasted. It's hard to experience anything good. Be quiet about it. Keep it to yourself. You're going to express how much you love it. You're going to tell somebody that they need to try it. That's worship. Now, if we can do that with a good piece of chicken with salt, pepper, mild sauce, and hot sauce, surely, surely, we should be even more expressive about our God. It's not just expression because if we express something that's not in our hearts, it's not worship. It's a lie. So if you tell somebody about Jesus, how good he is, how awesome he is, but you don't really believe that in your hearts because life has got you weighed down to where you're just so used to saying it, you're so used to that being your, issue, your, your answer to people's issues, and somebody says to her, I'm praying for you. No, you're not. Because you're too caught up in your own stuff. But because you said it, you expressed it out of repetition and out of religion, it's not worship. When you express it, the expression, in order for it to qualify as worship, must be in your heart first. That's why you can be here with your hands lifted, singing the lyrics that's on the screen and not be in worship. Because you're just doing what you've always done. You grew up in church. When the praise team comes up, I'm supposed to sing, I'm supposed to clap, I'm supposed to move, I'm supposed to... But you're just doing it robotically. You're just singing a song. You're not worshiping 
God. So the first thing we want to talk about before we talk about expressing our love, we have to we need to take a look at the fact that worship is love. So what, what is that? What does it mean that worship is love? Worship is loving God first, first with our hearts. That's where worship starts. It begins inside of your heart. It's not when you put on Maverick City music, as much as we love them. But that's not where worship starts. It starts with your heart posture towards the Lord. In the book of Deuteronomy 11 and 1, it says, you must love the Lord your God and always obey his requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. So inside of your heart is where worship is. And worship looks like obedience. Worship begins with you obeying his requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 22. Teacher, what is the the great commandment of the law? And here's Jesus' response. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's how you love him. Obedience. That's how you worship him. Obedience. Does that mean perfection? Does that mean that you'll never mess up? No, 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 no. But obedience is a constant pursuit of him. Obedience is a constant pursuit of trying to get it right. If you're living in a place of just whatever, going through, doing what you want to do, my friends, that ain't worship. I don't even know if you love him. Because love is an action word. It's not a verbal pronunciation. It's an action lived out. The greatest thing we can do is love God. Let me ask you something. Have you ever, be honest, have you ever like looked at other Christians or other, other people, whether that's in your local church or maybe in the body as a whole, and be like, man, I wish I, wish I could love God like them. Man, they really love God. You know who really loves God? Cece Winers. She loves God. I mean, you can see it. I don't think Cece has ever sinned in her life. I mean, she just looks like Somebody who loved Jesus. And so it's easy to look at people like, dang, man, I want to love Jesus like that. I mean, she all the way saved. There ain't too many built like Cece now. <laughs> but, but you got to ask yourself, like, even if that's been a thought, you know, where, where, where does love come from? If your desire is to love God more, If your desire is to have more depth in your relationship with God, then where does that love come from? When we got saved, I don't know if you know this, but one of the benefits of us surrendering our life to him was that he gave us a new heart. Because our heart is evil, wicked, deceitful above all else. And so in the moment of surrendering our life to him, 
The Bible declares that we receive a new heart and inside that new heart is our ability to love God properly. Deuteronomy 30 and 6 says, the Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul and so you may live. God gave you and I a new heart with the ability to love him. We have it. We possess it. It's ours. It's there. We have to tap into it. We have to tap into what he's given us. Even if life is less than ideal right now, even if you're a little mad at God right now, you have the ability to love him because he gave you the ability to love him. I know, I, I know it's not politically correct to talk about being mad at God. But sometimes life deals us some stuff that makes us look at God a little differently. We got questions. We got, we got some inquiries for heaven, like how could you let this happen to me? How could you take them from me? And so I understand that even, even though you're here, even though you're smiling, there's always the opportunity to question, why God? But here's what I, I need you to know outside of my message right now, is even if you find yourself in that place, your ability to love God is still there. And if I were you, if you are in that place where you're, you're questioning God, I would use that new heart to find an answer. I would use that new heart that he gave you to surrender it back to him. I say, and, and you can do it in transparency and honesty, like, Lord, I'm upset, but I'm yours. Lord, I have doubts, but I'm yours. Or like the gentleman said when he was talking to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You can be honest and surrendered. And I promise you that when you do that, the Lord responds because that's where our worship comes from. Because worship isn't just love, but the, the second thing you need to know is that worship is love expressed. It's not just love. It's love expressed. Two days ago, June 3rd, my beautiful wife and I celebrated 16 years of marriage. We called it our sweet 16. <laughs> we went uh, to Washington, D.C. And, and I had to put everything together and, and um, toward the end of it, she was just like super thankful. She was like, thank you so much for putting this together. Because usually when we go away, we go on a trip, it's usually her, like I'm the idea person, she's the detail person. And so she's usually like checking the prices, looking up the hotel, looking up the plane, looking up the car and that type of stuff. But, but in this season of life, she, she's still in a place of grief after recently losing her mom. And so I really had to do all, I had to jump in and do all that. And so she was appreciative of the effort that I put in, the way that I expressed my love for her. 
She was able to appreciate it. Why? Not just because I expressed it, but I expressed it in a way that she could receive it. I loved her using her love language. Her love, her top two is, is quality time and acts of service. And so because I loved her in the way that she received love, she received it. Well, guess what? Your heavenly father has a love language as well. And it's called worship. His love language is worship. I know that you think that the way that you serve is you expressing your love. I know that you think that the way that you give is the way that you are expressing your love, but you have to love him using his love language. And his love language, my brothers and my sisters, is worship. He loves when you worship him. Think about it, even all of you who are married, and we've been married 16 years now, our marriage would not have lasted 16 days if I never expressed, expressed. I don't care how many times you say it, it's the expression of it where the bond is built. It's the expression of it where the relationship grows in depth. We have to not just say with our mouth, I love you, but we have to express it with our life that I love you. Worship is expressing your love to God. It's how you communicate it to God. We have the ability to communicate because on that day that we celebrate Pentecost, we all got access to a gift called the Holy Spirit. And because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have the help that we need to be able to rightly express our love for him. It's important that we get to the place where we express it to him. He's looking at the expression. The very first time that we see the word worship is in the book of Genesis. Now you all know that uh, if you've been here long enough, you know that the prophetic word that God gave us about year one of all nations aurora was that it was going to be the Genesis year. And for everybody that's attached to all nations aurora, this year God's gonna take some void areas in their life and form something beautiful out. It's already happening. It's already taking place. And so we go back to the book of Genesis to find the foundations of the expression of worship. Genesis 22, four and five, a very familiar passage of scripture. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. Worship is not 20 minutes on a Sunday morning just before we get to offering. Yeah. Genesis 22 describes, defines, and discloses the true meaning of worship. Abraham went up to the mountain to give his most loved, most treasured, and most prized possession to God. His son Isaac. This was his promise. He waited his whole life life for Isaac. 
He even tried to manipulate the process and then ended up uh, uh, with another son that was not the promise. But he finally got the promise. And then God said, give it back. He didn't run. I said, no. This is the answer to my prayer. I ain't giving you nothing. I prayed for this. I fasted. Everybody was talking about me while I waited, and I waited, and, and I got it. And now you want it back? Sometimes we got questions for God. Yeah. I know we know how the story ended, but just be in that moment for a second. Yeah. Like, what you mean? Yeah. Kill my son. Yeah. You told me that I would have descendants greater than the grains of sand. If I kill him, how will that happen? Come on, just be right there. I know we read the rest of the story, but be right there for a moment. Because some of you are right there. That thing that God promised, you, you, you got a little taste of it. You got the promotion, you got the house, you got the spouse. And now God's saying, give it back. Surrender it back. And you like, how, why? Why would I do that? After all the struggle to get here, after all the prayers, as much as I gave and sacrificed, and you're saying, give it back? How? How, Sway? How? That's where Abraham was. But that's what worship is. It's when you're willing to give the thing that you value the most to him. Say, here you go. That's worship. That's love expressed. That's how we express our love to him. No matter what's going on, no matter what my accomplishments are, yeah, I pray for the spouse, but let me, let, me, let me give this marriage back to you. Yeah. yeah, I pray for this child. I have to fight through all this infertility and here. They're yours. Yeah, I, I had to pay my way through school and, and I still got these student loans. And I fought for this promotion, but, but Lord, you can have my vocation. That's what worship looks like. It's not elevation or hill song. I'm going to keep going there because we think that's what worship is. It's love expressed. It's when we respond to our most valuable things and say, Lord, even that, even that, that's yours. So that's, that's what we're supposed to do. My question then is, why don't we do it? Why is it a struggle for us to really biblically worship him? I'm talking about the Bible-based worship. Well, here's the problem. We often do what's called the not-so-great exchange. 
we tend to exchange our worship for other things. And they stand in the way of having an authentic connection to our, to our Lord, to our worship. I'm going to share some of these things, and, and you may find yourself um, dealing with some of them. Let's look at the book of Romans real quick. It says, for although they knew God, here's why we struggle. For although they knew God. So that's a clear indication that he's writing to believers. <clears throat> that he's talking to believers like you and I. But they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Here it is, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. There was an exchange that took place. We actually, while we were in D.C., we went to uh, the Museum of the Bible. And they actually have some of these little mini figurines that, that they would have carved and that they would have worshipped in lieu of worshipping him. Now, you may say, that was dumb. Why would they do that? But if you, if you took an audit of your own life, Mm-hmm. And, and, and if you compare how much time and energy and resources you gave to worshiping him versus all this other stuff that you tend to put your energy and resources and time into, you might find yourself here. You might be a little, little less judgmental of, of the church of Rome if you looked at the church of you. If you looked at the church of your life and took an honest assessment of where your energy and worship was going, um, maybe you would be like, Lord, help me. Here are some ways we've exchanged our worship for something else. The first is placeholders. There are other things that have seemingly taken the place of God in our worship. Deuteronomy 6 and 14 says, do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Yeah, yeah. So if you are, are, are so busy worshiping and clamoring for the next position at your job or the next degree that you need to pursue in order to become this, that, or the other, that's a placeholder. Yeah. Ooh, 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 that business idea. Come on, I'm an entrepreneur. I get it. When you get the idea and you start to move into it, it becomes all-consuming. Entrepreneurs work 24-7. They're working on it all the time, and it becomes an idol. You're so busy working on the thing that God gave you that it takes away your worship from the God who gave it to you. What happens when you pray for a thing that you get the thing and that becomes the new idol? The answered prayer is your new idol. It's a placeholder. And your God is a jealous God. And he don't like anything sitting in his place. So be careful not to make 
Your answered prayer is an idol. Be careful not to make your family an idol. Be careful not to make your job an idol. Be careful not to make your sports team, Go Bears, an idol. Because your God is a jealous God. And he don't like that. It has superseded your place of worship. That all you do 24-7 is think about your kids. Because you're so focused on giving them a quote-unquote better life than you had. The best life you can give them is a surrendered one. They don't need 12 extracurricular activities. They need a, a, a surrendered mom and a surrendered dad and a surrendered family around them, grooming them in the things of God. That's what they need. They don't need to speak French, uh, uh, French, Spanish, and Mandarin by six. Those things are fine until they become an idol. Yeah. You should work hard at your job until it becomes an idol. You should want to present excellence in your business unless, unless it's becoming an idol where it's all that you do. You a slave, here it is, to this other idol called social media likes. That's where your worship is. Did they like this? And then you get mad at them. Now you're questioning your relationship with them. You ain't even factoring the the algorithm and even show it to them, but you mad at them because they didn't hit the like button. Because it's an idol. Number two, the other thing that we exchange is people. People. Yeah. John 12 says, yet at the same time, many among the leaders, come on, come on, dream team. It said among the leaders. Not just, not just people that go to church a little bit, but he's talking to about the leaders. They said, many even among the leaders believed in him. Here it is. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith. For fear that they will be put out of the synagogue. Here, here's your part. For they love praise from men more than praise from God. See, some of y'all come in here on Sundays and don't want to lift your hands. You don't want to clap. You don't want to sit because you're looking at what, what everybody else. Are they looking at me? No. But you're so concerned about how you appear to other people. That it prohibits you from authentically worshiping your God because you're so focused on people. And as long as you're focused on people, you'll always miss God. You'll always miss what he has for you because you're so busy looking at what they are doing. We learned last week in the Bible, it said, you're not that important. Everybody in here ain't looking at you. So you might as well get into it with your Lord. You might as well go for it. After the week that you went through, how you gonna sit in here and be tight? When the presence of the Lord is here. Cause you like, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't do it like that in my church. <laughs> I remember when, when I first came to the original All Nations in Chicago like eight years ago and, and, and and experiencing that, that type of worship that we have here, but experiencing it for the first time. And they would listen, they was going crazy up in there. Huh? You know, and I'm, my, my little educated self, I know the Bible too, but they was just like, I'm like, oh, okay. 
You know, I ain't never experienced nothing like that. And they jumping, like they, they, they going for it. I'm like, you know what, next time I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump one time. The next time one of them jumping songs come, and everybody start jumping, I said, I'm gonna jump. And then one of them jumping songs came, Donovan. I'm like, oh, yep, here we go. Yeah. As soon as they hit that chord, I'm jumping. <laughs> and they started jumping. And I started jumping too, man. I could barely walk afterwards, man. You know, I got, you know, I got a little foot, foot knee issues from my, my time in the military, but I said I'm going for it. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's like, it's like, just try to go, go for it. Whatever go for it looks like for you. Like some of y'all, it might be just a, you know, you ain't even nodded your head. We three songs in, you ain't nodded your head once. For some, it might be taking your hands out your pockets and, you know, or something a little, little, little tapping your toe. Whatever that next thing is, stop letting people prohibit your worship, your expression of your love for Him. <laughs> this third one, I gotta go, I gotta run through this. It's, it's, it's a big word, but it's a word that you gotta know. It's called hedonism. It's where you are ruled by your emotions, you live by your emotions. And when you live by your emotions, you miss the opportunity to worship him because you have experiencing sadness or, or, or you're experiencing grief or you're experiencing uh, 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 anger. And that emotion that's ruling your life prohibits you from worshiping a perfect God who has never failed you, who has never forsaken you, who has never turned his back on you. But when you let your emotions come and rule you, which is the definition of being a hedonist, you miss the opportunity to worship God. And that's why we started this saying that our love and our devotion and our worship for God isn't situational. It can't be because worship isn't situational. Our expression of our love for Him has nothing to do with our circumstances. It's just about Him. It ain't about them. It ain't about that. It's about him. Our last one, uh, almost last one, is bystanding. You just walk in here, look around. You think just because you showed up. <laughs> Did it. Done. Did my my Christian. Christian thing for the week. I went to church. Even do a service over. At church today, <laughs> your heart ain't nowhere near the Father. But you want people to know you up in here. Appreciate it, keep doing it. But where's your heart? Are you just observing? Because that ain't worship. Are you just here? Because that ain't worship. Worship is love expressed. There has to be an expression for it to qualify as worship. Matthew, uh, excuse me, James 4 and 8, James 4 and 8, James 4 and 8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. So you just showing up ain't good enough. He says, come.
come, come, come closer. It doesn't say God is going to bring, bring, bring you closer. So if you're showing up here waiting on the Lord to come and grab you, you're going to be waiting a long time because our Bible is instructing you to come closer. He's waiting. He's standing by. His arms are open, but he's waiting on you to come closer. Come closer. It's on you. It ain't on him. It ain't on the worship team. It's on you to come closer. So when opportunity presents itself, you're the one that has to go in. You're the one that's got to jump in the river. You're the one that's got to get in the flow and say, Lord, yes, me, me, me. He told you to come closer. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Here's the last one. Here's the last one that's in our way, and it's a big one. Tradition. Let me deal with these religious devils. Tradition tells you that if it doesn't look a certain way, if it doesn't act a certain way, if it doesn't appear a certain way, that you can't get down with that. That can't be God. So that's why some of you have a problem with certain types of gospel or Christian music. I remember, listen, I'm I'm a big Christian hip hop guy and I remember there was this big campaign against it and said, that's the devil's music. And I always wondered, I said, who was they listening to in the Bible? Wasn't no Mahalia Jackson back there? Wasn't no Kirk? Wasn't no Donnie McClurkin in the Old Testament? So what was that? What was Miriam singing when they got over the other side? Was that quartet music? Okay, y'all getting tired of me. But what I'm trying to get you to see is this. Don't let tradition put you inside of a box that prohibits you from worshiping God. If we come up here and we rap, if we come up here and do spoken word, if we come up here and do some some Caribbean, it's all God. Don't let tradition talk you out of worship. Just because it hasn't been done the way that you did it back over there. You ain't back over there. Matthew 15, I'll do it biblically since we're talking about you religious devils. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Come on. I love, I love when, when, when Jesus gets to go like, you hypocrites. <laughs> See, they want, they want Christians to be passive all the time and not say nothing and just be low and meekly. Yes, praise God. Bless you hypocrites. That's Jesus too. <laughs> Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts far away from me. Here's a tough part. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So you can do all that, lifting, clapping, 
singing, showing up, serving. But if your heart ain't where it needs to be, he said, your worship is in vain. It don't count. It ain't worship. Here's what God really wants. Here's what he really is after. We find it in the book of Psalms, which is it's our song book. It's our heavenly song book. It's the book of Psalms. Those, in a lot of instances, were lyrics to songs. Here it is. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. But do I need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens? For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, ooh, I wouldn't tell you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat steak? I'm sorry, let me be biblical. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Clue number one. Keep the vows you made to the Most High. Clue number two. And here's clue number three. Then call on me you are in tr- when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you and give you the glory. So here's what worship looks like. Number one, thank him. Thank him. Again, worship is not situational. So don't just thank him when you feel good. There's literally only two times that you should thank him. There's only two times that you should worship him. Do you know what that is? When you feel like it and when you don't. That's the only two times that you should worship him. Second Chronicles 16 and 19, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. He's looking for committed hearts. He's searching the whole earth for a heart that's committed to him. He's looking for worship. Remember in that last scripture, he said, I got everything. Do, I, do, do, do you really think I need you to put these animals on the altar because I'm, I'm hungry? I own all this stuff. What he's really after is your worship. Not the blood of bulls and goats. He's after your heart. Number two, offer him the control of your life. Romans 12 and 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind, here it is, he'll find acceptable. So he wants your heart, he wants your life. This is what worship looks like. This is the bottom line. It's not a song. It's a life. It's love expressed. So after you thank him, after you offer him, the third and final one is include him. Include him in in your life. 
Like, he wants in. He created you for worship, and that looks like you including him in your life. Stop making decisions apart from him. Stop dating apart from him. Stop submitting your resume apart from him. He wants to be included. He wants you to talk to him about everything. All of it. What you're scared of, what you're struggling with, your aspirations, your desires, your wants, your needs, your failures, your promotion. He wants in. He wants to be included. You're so busy trying to do stuff for him without him. Include him in every part of your life. There's a quote from Mark Twain that always stood out to me. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Can I help answer that for you? You were born to worship him. You were created to worship him. I'm going to invite the the worship team back up. Because what we're going to do is, is, is give the opportunity to activate your worship. So worship isn't a song, but it is a, it's an opportunity to express your worship. Because above all else, what God really wants, point to yourself, is a relationship with me. The bottom line when it comes to worship is that God wants a relationship with you. So as the praise team comes and they begin to sing a song, let that thought, let that position from God rest in your heart. God wants a relationship with me. God wants a relationship with me. What is the bottom line of worship? God wants a relationship with me. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.